10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Digital Radio. Happy birthday to you. Love you. Live from Qatar, this is the morning break with Dorian Brown. What do you get when you cross Friday morning break time and talk radio? That's right, you get the Friday morning break on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the start of the end of your week. I'm Dorian Brown. It's Friday the 28th of January and we are broadcasting live from the Teachers Talk Radio mothership where today we're talking mental health. How can we equip our students with the tools to manage their own mental health? And let us know what your school does. Call, tweet, text into the show. Let's talk this out. Live from Qatar, this is the morning break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Yes, yes, yes. The very, very best of mornings to you all. And what a glorious and monumental day it is here for us at Teachers Talk Radio. We have completed our very first full orbit of the sun. That's right. We are one. And to quote directly from the TTR Twitter feed, thank you to all our listeners, every caller, every texter, every guest and every host every sponsor and all those behind the scenes making it happen. It really has been a remarkable achievement and personally, you know, to see how far that this station has come in in what is a relatively short space of time and and all the growth and development I think is all down to the aforementioned but of course none of that would have ever have happened had it not been for our founder and the governor, Mr. Tom Rogers. He is the glue that keeps us together, the warm strict that keeps us all in line. So thank you, Tom, for spotting a need first off, I think, and uh, having the panache and the energy to kind of keep it all going, uh, along with the management team and all those people behind the cordery curtains of the show. I'd like to express as well thanks to all of the hosts, both past, present, and indeed future. Um, I only joined in July, but I do know that the amount of thought, time, and effort that goes into planning each individual show uh, is a lot, and and it's an absolute pleasure to be part of such a committed and professional team um, with a passion for talking, Uh, probably sometimes a little bit too much, uh, uh, but really sort of driving driving the debate, you know, highlighting the key issues and and facilitating facilitating conversations uh, within our beautiful profession. Now, I'm sure the top floor of the TTR Towers will be pumping today as they all celebrate with a good old-fashioned work event. Uh, So while they do, I'll sort of crack on with the show. And and, and first up is my imaginary co-host, Susie Dent, joining us today. And our word of the week today is very apt for probably most of us that work in the profession. Today's word is thermopot from the 18th century. And this is one who downs a copious amount of hot drinks. So whether you're powered by tea, coffee or kombucha, hot drinks really are our daily elixir as teachers. And so thank you for tuning in to Thermopots Talk Radio today. We've got a fantastic show for you here today. And before we do, we are going to hear from Steve Woods and he's going to be bringing you some top tips on online learning. So please stay tuned and we'll be back in 
two minutes. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. This week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job, and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser, so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter, or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link, and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way, for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboard, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your classes' whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you for that, Steve, and welcome back. It is time now to get on with the show, and today we are covering an extremely important issue and one that sadly has been unavoidably on the rise throughout the pandemic. We're talking youth mental health. The childrensociety.org website uh, states that there's one in six children aged 5 to 16 that are likely to have a mental health problem and that 17 to 22-year-old women are the group which are most at risk from developing a mental health problem. Uh, in the last three years as well, it states that the likelihood of young people having a mental health problem has increased by 50%. So that means five uh, children in every classroom of 30 are likely to have mental health problems. So joining me in the studio today, in the studio today to, to peel back some of the layers of this issue is the COO of Happy Space UK, Tegan Creedy. Now, Tegan is in charge of the everyday running of the charity and, and works to protect young minds through enabling outstanding mental well-being education nationwide. Tegan, thank you for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio today. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. Wonderful, yes, and we're joined in the studio as well by a few others as well. We've got Beatrice and Harry and TSCW as well. So anyone in the studio that's got a question for Tegan um, or anything to contribute as well, please do uh, uh, please do uh, text in. Um, so Tegan, thank you again for, for coming on. Would you mind starting off by sort of introducing yourself and giving our listeners an idea of, uh, of who you are and, and, and your journey, if you like, to your current uh, uh, position? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am one of the founders, as you said, of Happy Space UK. Um, I founded the charity with two great friends of mine about seven years ago, which makes me feel quite old. Um, <laughs> and uh, up until recently, I was I was actually working as a, a full time lawyer. Um, but the charity has grown so much in the last three years. And I think that is indicative of, of kind of the issues that we are facing. Mm. Um and uh, with that in mind, it's got to a position where we just desperately needed more full-time people on the ground. And so as of this year, I've, uh, I've taken up a, a four-day-a-week position, as you said, with the CEO of the charity, which is just absolutely thrilling to be a part of, um, part of the charity's journey. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, and just sort of going through my mind there, I was just kind of like, it's kind of like a position where you, you don't really want to be too busy, really, in, in, that, in that regard. Um, because obviously what, you, what you're trying to do, and, and I'm sure we're going to unpack this, uh, unpick this a little bit more as we go through the show, but you're trying to kind of get ahead uh, of there actually being any, any issues in, in the first place, if I'm right. Yeah, that's absolutely it. We're, we're really, really prevention focused. Um, I suppose at a high level, the belief of the charity being that so many mental health issues are preventable through really good well-being education. And we're on a mission to uh, provide schools and teachers with the resources that they need to be able to give that education. Um, so, you know, the, the ultimate vision, as it were, being a kind of a society free of mental health stigma, where every young person has the just the basic toolkit that they need to be able to look after their well-being in the transition from childhood to, to adulthood, and then obviously beyond. Um, so you're absolutely right. Yeah, prevention is at the core of our of our kind of our belief and our mantra, mission, vision, all of that good stuff. All that good stuff. Yeah, great. And and if I, if I can ask as well, because obviously um, it's it's interesting to know what your kind of your your personal motivation and your you know for, so going from a from a job as a lawyer to 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 working for a charity on youth mental health. What what can I ask? What your sort of personal motivation was to kind of make that switch? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's kind of, it's been the same, I suppose, from the outset. We, we came together as a charity with this idea um, that we would make things better for other students. And at the time we were students ourselves and we thought, actually, this, this needs more focus because, mm. um, as I mentioned, you know, the two people that I founded it with, we, we actually we went to a really progressive um, independent school in the UK and we learned loads about like safe sex and drink driving um but we didn't learn anything about mental health and I, I imagine and actually I know that that has changed at that particular school and I don't think it was unusual for the time in fact I think it's still very typical to have quite limited mental health education in schools um and so really that was the the, the driving desire is that children should be learning about this stuff. And so uh, I think that's what, what got us going in the first place. And it's really what's kept us going. And as we've grown, um, I think what's personal sort of triggered the switch is just the demand, the level of demand for the resources yes. and the impact they're having. Um, 
obviously we'll I can I can bore you all about the resources in more detail later but you know we've, we've got a waiting list of uh, just as of this year so far of 13,000 students in over 60 schools for our resources wow. and so you know in order to meet that demand um I think it, it's really what galvanized me to say look let's give this a proper go because a bit could, more focus yeah, yeah exactly we could make a real difference here yeah and, and that's I think exactly what you said there I agree with the idea of the visibility of mental health isn't it certainly amongst young people but even uh, amongst adults it's it's uh, a lot more visible the visibility of mental health is now you know and it's being talked about a heck of a lot more rightly so um, and you're looking at when you're looking at mental health within youth you're you're, you're looking at the root of the, the the issue as well aren't you so you're trying to kind of um, uh, reduce the amount of mental health issues and as you said give people the 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 tools or or, or the, the the ways of thinking etc to perhaps maybe avoid those mental health issues in, in later life. Um, so interestingly at the moment, you, you, you've spoken um, about this, a, a number of, of schools and, and, and things that you've got, and we will kind of get on the, under the skin a little bit of some of those uh, projects, but interested to kind of uh, find out really how you, um, you, you mentioned the school that you went to previously didn't have a very good focus or, or, or much uh, about well-being, and, and, and now that has changed. Um, how do you identify um, uh, how, how have you arrived, or maybe it's indicative of, of, of society as a whole, but, but how, how have you identified where there, that there still are shortfalls um, in, in mental health and well-being education in, in schools? Yeah, so we, we carry out um, continuous research, really, wherever we can, wherever our resources permit. Um, when we first came together, we interviewed every wellbeing service that would would have us really up and down the UK um, and question them about where they thought the gaps were um, and that's really where we that's how we sort of developed our resources to begin with um, now we have those resources we frequently carry out teacher focus groups and student focus groups so we understand what's happening and and as you say what's lacking in schools um, and the series from last year in particular it was so interesting to see the the range of approaches going from students reporting that because of covid all of their phse fell away mm -hmm. to some schools you know making an even more enhanced effort recognizing that actually covid was incredibly challenging for families and children alike and so therefore mm -hmm. additional mental health support was required so it, there was a huge spectrum and i think it really ties in, I suppose, to the work of Happy Space, where we're, by, we're trying to create a standard um, that schools adhere to, really, and that, and that children can benefit from, um, because it, it, is, it is relatively patchy. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's, it's really learning from the teachers and the students themselves um, about what works and what doesn't. And I think that will really warm the listeners to know that there is this kind of evidence-based approach to, to what you do. It's not a matter of just, oh, there's probably, you know, COVID's happened, therefore a few people are probably, you know, a lot of people are probably, you know, unhappy, so let's just go in and do this. It, it, instead, mm -hmm. the, the decisions, the resources you're designing, the decisions that you're making, the, the, the strategy which you're employing is all based on, on, on feedback and, and, and explore, exploring and, and research. And I think that's something that many teachers nowadays feel is a, is a, is a, a vital part of, of, of 
sharpening practice. And and it's interesting, Harry said in uh, text in there, and he said it's um, uh, mental health and well-being still very much a taboo in in Spain. He's a teacher's in Spain, um, and uh, but he says not really a taboo, but just sort of frowned upon. And I guess yes, that's quite old. Uh, I'll say that's a, quite an old school kind of approach, isn't it? In the way that it seems that there's the, the sort of stigma attached to to well-being, uh, sorry, to, to to mental health issues. And I wonder if Tegan, if you've kind of encountered that same. Uh, same thing when you have mm. uh, gone into schools, you know, that it, that, that you've perhaps maybe found a, not necessarily a reluctance, but a reticence to perhaps maybe explore and go deeper into, into certain issues. Oh, completely. It's, it's fascinating, actually. It's absolutely fascinating that I think schools recognise that this is being talked about. They recognise that there is something that ought to be done about it. And yet still, sometimes we go in and we, we have this initial discussion with schools about what they've got in their curriculum and where they feel they need support and what we can offer and there is sometimes a real um, alarm that is sounded around some of the resources so for instance us us saying you know a particular academic school for instance saying that it's really important actually that around exam time we take we do everything we can to help students manage their stress and manage the pressure because it's it's if students are striving for perfection all the time, they will never, ever be happy. And it's something that we want to mm. get good habits going really early days. And actually the school's response to that is, oh, but we we really we really need our students to do well. We, need, we, mm. we really need them to do well because their grades are so important. If they don't get into the universities, then that affects our ratings, blah, 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 blah. So maybe let's mm. not have the resources focused like that way. Yes. So it's really interesting at this kind of we, we, we want to pay lip service to well-being, but actually when it mm. comes to fundamentally changing our values and our messaging around well-being, there is mm. often a reluctance. Um, and I think it's why you see you see the schools that do it really well, in my view, they're the schools where there is a whole school approach to mental health. So it is it's every it's leadership saying this is ingrained this is part of our values this this isn't just a, a, a policy that we pop in the back drawer and we don't just mm. respond when there's an emergency this is weaved into our daily life and whether that is making sure the children do a mile a day um walking mm. and therefore their focus is improved in the evening whether it's you know doing a mindfulness exercise which children don't even know um is a mindfulness exercise it's just some deep breathing at the beginning of a class but it, it, i think the more ingrained it is and the, the more on board that each individual participant is the more effective it is because i time and time again talk with teachers where they feel like they are one of a few campaigners in their yes. school and they're desperately trying to do something to make a change and they can see how the mental health resources that they've been utilising in their classes have benefited their students. But if it's just them and if leadership aren't taking uh, it seriously and if other teachers are either don't have the time or aren't as passionate about it, um, it, it doesn't benefit the students across the board. So it's, it's really it's that whole school approach, I think, is so important. I, I don't know about the, the rest of the listeners in the studio, but my neck's hurting from nodding um, along to a lot of those <laughs> things that you were saying there, Tegan. Um, yeah. 
Harry's again said that you know it's lip service, um, you know, paying lip service, and he and he finds a similar sort of approach in environmental issues. And it made me thinking that it made me think that it's, it is a systemic kind of structural issue, isn't it? You know, the, many schools extol the the virtues of of a holistic education, etc. But when it comes to the crunch, you know, they are under an awful lot of pressure, as you rightly said there, um, to uh, achieve, you know, to 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 get to get the best grades, as it were, mm. um, and you know, getting the best grades hopefully more and more people will, will understand that that necessarily doesn't produce the best humans almost all the time right mm -hmm. you need to make sure mm -hmm. that the other areas are attended to and uh, it also made me think when so harry's linked to environmental issues there as well something that i've um tried on a number of occasions to kind of to bring into as you said the the, the fabric of, of of school and i feel that teachers perhaps maybe feel there's maybe an element of fear, a um, bit of un uncomfortableness, uh, the fact that they're perhaps maybe under-trained and under-prepared, et cetera, for dealing with uh, such of these kind of, you know, these issues, particularly when a, you know, a teacher has trained as a science teacher and they're expecting to go in and teach science, et cetera. And then all of a sudden there's these extra uh, mm. add-ons or these extra things that they're having to kind of take on as well so i think we can understand why perhaps maybe there is a bit of a um a uh, a disconnect sometimes between you know from school to school but i think you're completely right in the way that you know it has to be a whole school G governors um uh, you know from governors all the way down down to the teachers in the classroom have to have that whole school um approach uh, totally and, and, yeah yeah Sorry, I was just, as you were speaking then, it made me think about something that I um, read briefly the other day. I think, if, I've, if I'm correct, you had Sarah Humphreys on as a guest a while ago. Is that That's right? right, from yeah, AIM from High. AIM High, yes. Yeah, which is an amazing um, climate education company. Mm. And um, she gave an interview the other day where she spoke about um, what people can do um, to be more climate conscious. And one thing she said, which I loved, is that it's about taking imperfect steps every day. And... And I think that that is just such a meaningful thing. And I think the same goes for for, for teachers um, and anyone in, in management or anyone working at a school, because, it, of course, people people don't necessarily have all the resources at their tip at, the, at their fingertips. Um, and, the, you know, people are stretched for time. They uh, their resources are stretched. But actually, if we all try and take even imperfect steps every day to better student well-being, collectively that that will make an enormous difference yes and and then again and again the fact that it has to be you have to be supported by your leader by your leadership group as well because that occurred to me you make an imperfect step and you can get you can get things wrong but but you can prove that you that we are human we are fallible and we're all trying to mm. kind of all help each other effectively yes it's uh, oh absolutely fascinating um wow um okay uh, there's so so many questions i think that, that I think come, <laughs> but we have just got the hour so let me let me uh, move on if i may uh, to the um, um, uh, you've got your the the website. It's happyspaceuk.org.uk. Yeah, that's yes, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. .org.uk. Yeah. And we, we will put the, um, the 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 links that we mentioned in the show notes at the end uh, for listeners if they want to uh, uh, follow on. Uh, what I would like to kind of unpick sort of looking to, uh, around the website is that there's there's lots of things that you've got going on you've got some workshops and, and and you've already mentioned a few kind of projects that you've got going on with um with schools um but what caught my uh, my eye was the the happy space guidebook which does seem to be quite a popular resource and i wondered if you might explain uh, to listeners how how it came about and what the what the aim of the guidebook was 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we are so, we're so sort of proud of these guidebooks and they're such a beautiful resource. Um, as I mentioned just earlier, um, when we first came together, we interviewed wellbeing services up and down the country. And from that exercise, we learned that there are certain aspects of everyday living that could prove crucial to the prevention of mental health issues in young people. And so we took those aspects and they, they fall into the categories of mind, food, body, finance and the arts. So we, we deem those to be the, the five pillars of mental well-being um, and we use them as the framework for all of our content, um, including our, our guidebooks. So those guidebooks have beautiful interactive activities um, uh, articles from thought leaders, they are designed in a really engaging way so students can draw, um, rip bits out, stick bits in, uh, there's questions to answer, um, there's gratitude journals, there's there's really in, they're lovely, just interactive, lovely books, mm. um, all based around those those five pillars. So it's a slightly different approach and I think we, we pride ourselves on that kind of holistic approach to, to mental well-being. And I think the aim uh, in terms of the individual child, I think it is it's that we we want to help prevent mental wellbeing problems arising in that child wherever possible. Of course, it won't always be possible, um, but I think equipping that child with with a toolkit um, really stands them in good stead. And I think you know the, the broader picture is that equipping every child in the UK with preventative mental health knowledge that is really good and meaningful could turn the tide on the ongoing mental health crisis and help to improve the nation's mental health for, for generations to come. So, so that's the, the bigger, the bigger picture really of those resources. That's fantastic, yeah, and and I love the the the, the approach, the, the the five pillars, and it did it did make me think actually if there were any sort of so it's interesting with anyone we're trying to classify, isn't it? But were there any categories of those those pillars? I mean, it sounds pretty quite a strong. Um, uh, structure anyway with five pillars but uh, I wonder if there are any pillars that you you had to kind of leave out or you kind of merged into existing ones what kind of what kind of led you to perhaps maybe choosing those five in particular yeah I, I think they we chose those five on the basis of those interviews but also because they are suitably broad yeah and mm. I mean I suppose the point is as well is that they're all kind of interrelated um, and that's sort of what we're saying as well is that you, you know, how well you sleep, which might fall under the mind or body category, mm. um, will affect the foods that you crave the next day. And the foods that you crave the next day may well affect your finances, depending if you're buying, um, you know, on the go. And then the, what you spend in your finances m might prevent you or enable you to spend money on things that you enjoy doing that are creative, which obviously feeds into the arts category. So they're all, they're all super interrelated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we, we, we definitely had to leave out, so, you know, as in we could have, we could have a whole on. pillar yeah. <laughs> on relationships, social media, diversity, climate anxiety. Yes. Um, absolutely. But we, we kind of just use, we use those pillars and then merge the relevant content into them. And that also just depends on the age group, you know, because some yeah. of the content's more appropriate for sick formers than, than for years five to six, et cetera. So we try and tailor it accordingly. 
And I think that's that's uh, that, personally, I think that sounds like a good strategy because it, there's a, there's an it's very easy to overcomplicate things as well, isn't it? So, so trying to dis distill things and simplify them to a degree, you know, when, when you're thinking about who your target audience are, I think is 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 good. You don't want to kind of overload people with oh, all of these things are all you know um, are all linked to mental health. But I think I think the the ultimate. Um, as you said, the aim there really is just to kind of build that sort of normalization of of uh, interacting and, and and having that conversation and, and you know allowing students to perhaps be well to be more um, mental health literate um, to, to to normalize the fact that it's okay to to talk about these things and it's okay to to, to feel the way you do. So, so so I think that just that that just the engagement with the resources and 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 the you know the generative activities and things um, you know goes it goes a long way to kind of um making students feel more comfortable with with in, with, with with engaging with the, the subject itself um the, the category that did kind of jump out for me and, I, and and the reason the reason it sort of jumped out is because i don't think it's one which is um uh which we think about a lot and it's the it's the finer finance mm. one um mm. as that being a well-being issue and and I, and I thought about it and i thought wow absolutely of course uh, of course it is but um do, do you think and, and this is a bit of an open question in a way because I, I think that we have addressed it a little bit sometime in school. But do, do, do you feel that schools address finance? Do you feel it's the okay? A couple of probably a different. Let me phrase it a different way. Do you feel it's the it's the <laughs> do you feel it's the the the, the responsibility of schools to to educate students on on financial matters? Gosh, it's tricky. That's a yeah. tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> if mm. I say a blanket, yes, I'm sure some people will be quite upset with me. I, I think it's, uh, I, you know, I, it's difficult for me to give you a black and white answer because... Yeah. Um, you didn't get a black and white question, to be fair. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think schools are stretched. And so the ability of a school to... Um, to integrate say a whole finance module into their curriculum it might it might not be possible but i think the more that schools can do um again to take more of a whole school approach to things like financial literacy the better mm. so it doesn't have to be a whole separate module but just in the same way as i think that you know our, our kind of maths and our english questions now they often reflect the fact that actually that they're, they're like it's using diverse names um in a way that 50 years ago you'd have in England you'd have been reading about Bob and Ben or whatever and now you read about Hansa for instance and it, so it's it's in that diversity piece is weaved into the curriculum and I think the more that we can weave in things like financial literacy in a similar way um would be super beneficial and it doesn't necessarily mean having to carve out more time it's just mm. about using the time that schools have already and um, slightly differently yes and weaving that into the curriculum just 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 like um i'm sure harry, harry would agree as well the site the with um sort of environmental issues as well you, yes it's nice to have a bespoke uh individualized personalized com uh, curriculum for 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 climate for finance etc but if you haven't physically got the time and or, or or have it high enough on your your priorities lists um then you need to see what you've already got and how you can kind of build those build those things in and uh, you do have harry does concur the blanket less the 
standard blanket yes as well with you there, Tegan. So you've supported <laughs> in the studio here. Um, <laughs> I'm really enjoying this conversation so far. I'd hope uh, what I'm going to do now is we're going to pop uh, pop to the news uh, quickly, and then hopefully when we come back, uh, we can hear a little bit more about the individual projects that you're working on with schools. So don't Absolutely. go away. We'll be back in a sec. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. 
on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. This is the Friday morning break. I am Dorian Brown and I am joined by Tegan Creedy and we have had been having a fantastic conversation focusing on the very important issue of uh, youth mental health. Um, and uh, Tegan works for the charity Happy Space, Happy Space UK uh, and their website is happyspaceuk.org. Sorry, happyspaceuk.org.uk. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> a lot of UKs yeah. in there. <laughs> Do you know, you're making me doubt myself now. No, well. I'm going to have to go and look it up. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and essentially, uh, the, the, the work that you do uh, is to get, kind of get, a he- get ahead of uh, uh, any uh, mental health issues. And, and we've seen over the last couple of years how uh, there has been, unfortunately, an increase in these. And, and you mentioned actually something which stuck with me a little bit uh, in that first part there about how as a result of the pandemic, PSHE and certain uh, things in place had kind of been pushed aside a little bit, perhaps, and where students and, and teachers probably needed to teach more about mental health and well-being, um, they weren't necessarily um, focused fully on that. I mean, it was a very difficult um a very difficult time obviously the last couple of years for all um with lots going on and lots of things changing etc um but i think we're sort of you know where, wherever we are now um i think being able to deal with such things i think we can kind of be a little bit more um positive about because of we there's a little bit things perhaps maybe settling down a little bit so i just wondered if you might be able to articulate a little bit what's the, the the sort of work that you do with schools we've talked about the guidebook um what about the sort of workshops and the projects that that, that you work could you give us an idea about what you uh, how, how you get the message out to support the students in schools yeah totally so it depends slightly on whether we're working with an independent school or with state schools because obviously the funding situation um, differs unfortunately and a lot of the non-fee paying schools just don't have the resources to be able to um, pay for the development of our resources but we have ways to combat that of course. Um, So I think typically um, with an independent school we will have an initial discussion about um, the pinch points for their students. Uh, so, for instance, we've we've worked with a sixth form for a number of years now, and it's an all-girls sixth form, um, and we talk about the issues that are particularly pertinent to their students. So, we can really curate the contents uh, to suit them. So, those issues might be things like perfectionism, um, social media, loneliness, um, eating disorders. Um, so th- those those kind of specific issues, we we gather some feedback in feedback about. We we then curate the content, um, obviously using the resources that we have and through our links with various experts in the field and um, volunteers, etc. Um, we run that content list by the by the school to make sure it looks uh, as what they're expecting. And if they've got any you know questions or concerns, um, or if they think they want anything else. 
so this is still kind of you know at the so kind sort of, of pers- personalization as it were personalization yeah. of, of what you're putting together yeah based on the yeah. environment and the and the culture and, and the needs of the school right precisely precisely because i think that better serves those students really um, and even so i think one thing that's really important to happy space because we're so we're determined to make well-being fun and so our design is really really important um the design of the guidebook suiting that school so that students really interact with it as best they can um is is crucial for us um the only, only the other day I was hearing about someone who went to an all-girls school and she was telling me about her PHSE book and how it was like dreadful, um, just effectively a few sheets of paper, Times New Roman font, and it just looked completely uninviting. Mm-hmm. And I think actually visuals are really important in this day and age. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think the, the more curated as well that the design can be for that particular school, uh, the more impact it has on the individual student. So, yeah, we'll design the guidebook. Uh, print the guidebook and as an introduction to that guidebook we then give a workshop uh, in the school and so we use that opportunity to pick out the some of the top tips we run through the five pillars of mental well-being Um, we always do that alongside a mental health professional who speaks a bit more specifically about the kind of stage that the students are at Um, we take questions about the content in those workshops um, it's just a really is a lovely opportunity to get people speaking more freely about mental well-being and kind of incentivizing a bit of curiosity and openness about the topic uh, to, to get that ball rolling as it were um and it, it then kind of in tandem with that we have we have a accompanying lesson plan that goes with the guidebooks um and so we we give those to the teachers in the schools to roll out in their in their own time um so that's really that's kind of what a typical engagement looks like um with an independent school we we operate a a book bank so um independent schools when they buy their books um can choose to give and most of them do to our book bank um and we use that book bank to um supply those schools that can't afford books um and some you know often they're not necessarily um fully customized in the same way because it's difficult to print en masse but it's Mm. you know effectively if we can print en masse it's a pound a book and it's very difficult to argue that a pound is not worth it um yes in terms (laughs) of improving a child's well-being so so yeah that's that's kind of the the model that we operate at the moment that's fantastic and and i think that that also adds um some some weight and gravity to um the 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 issue as well um i kind of uh, whilst you were talking there the fact that you kind of an outside charity are kind of getting involved and 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 bringing the the resources and the message along with the mental health expert and 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 subsequent workshops as well i can't help think that sometimes that's a much more effective way of actually getting a message across because i think as teachers you know students often see teachers as a sub you know a subject teacher and not much Mm. else (laughs) on top so actually you know no matter how many times we say uh, certain things beyond our subject it's sometimes um there's a lot more belief there's a big bigger belief factor in sort of outside experts that kind of come in and 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 share uh, yeah yeah i totally get that yeah, I totally get that. And actually, it's it's kind of it's an allocated time, right? It's an allocated mental mm. well-being time, that workshop, where we say this is what we're going to be speaking about for this hour. And as you say, it's not confused with other pastoral issues that might be happening or other subjects, yeah. because that's what students assume a teacher will be speaking about. It's pure well-being. Um, and I think that's something that an outside organisation like Happy Space can do really well. 
and, and, and might I ask as well then? So on the um, the basis that uh, that you you get sort of requests to personalise um, workshops, has the, are you able to tell me what perhaps maybe the most common or the most frequent kind of issues have been that you've had to kind of tailor to to, to the majority of your schools? I think exam pressure is huge. Mm. People really like uh, schools really really keen to. Um, look at ways that students can better prepare themselves um, emotionally and physically for, for exams. And so we, we often spend quite a lot of time uh, speaking about exam nutrition and how best to fuel your, your mind, because I think it's very easy for students to Google online what's going to be best for them, but actually they're going to be hit with 1,700 different suggestions yes. so actually to have some expert um, advice all in one place and um, could be quite helpful so I think the exam thing is 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 prevalent uh, also uh, eating disorders particularly in girls schools um, and particularly for our sixth form students that's that's very commonly something that people would like information at, on um, and covered off uh, so again, just so it's not it's not a taboo subject, and particularly what uh, friends can do to support their friends whilst looking after themselves, um, because I think that's very tricky, particularly in girls' schools, um, when when a friend has an eating disorder. Mm. Yeah, and uh, actually, that kind of chimes well with the statistic from the uh, the Children's Society I read at the beginning. There, isn't it? The fact that seventeen to twenty two year old women are the group most at risk of developing a mental health problem so maybe not even in just a, a girls school just generally we have to make you know if that statistic is the if that is the 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 most likely group then that's the one that we need to kind of absolutely ensure that we focus on earlier right to to, to give them the tools as you said to, to 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 deal with these issues further down the line you know it's really interesting when you when you read that statistic out i thought hey that's interesting and i, I wondered whether also, that statistic is born from the fact that women are much more likely to admit to having a mental health problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have point. seventeen, yeah, seventeen to twenty-two-year-old girls who um, will admit to having certain feelings, which so often boys and men don't, um, for various reasons. You, you know, systemic, societal reasons about what it yes. is to be a man, which is still so so prevalent. And as we all know, I think, and I, I don't want to get the stat wrong, so I won't make one up, but, <laughs> but we know that death by suicide is extremely, it's, it's like one of, one of the highest killers in men in a certain age group, um, I think under 40, for instance. And so we know that there are really significant mental health issues in, in boys and in men, but that there is a disconnect in terms of how we manage and express that. Um, I think women are much likely, more likely and have historically been more likely to deal with their problems through talking because we're not mm. as physically strong. You know, in the, in the age old times, we wouldn't have dealt with our problems by using extreme violence. Whereas mm. men typically um, in the, again, in, in, a, in another time would have used yeah. violence. And so that has arguably mm. uh, transcended into this generation whereby boys are still finding it very difficult in many cases to express concerns around mental health um so yeah, yeah. I, I i think it's an interesting statistic i'm reluctant yeah. to focus um more on 17 to 20 year old 22 year old girls and just and still think about it from a not necessarily a gender neutral perspective because i think the different genders do um face sometimes different issues but um i think 
we're still working really on that openness piece and the stigma piece in terms of male mental health is is definitely something that I, I personally want to focus on with the charity going forward. Yeah, that's great. It, it, yes, I, 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 you've made me think because I, you know, sort of reading that statistic from the from the society, it, it, it is it does show that if this is the most likely group, then that, but but that's the only one that we can measure. So does that mean? I don't know if it's like that survivorship bias, isn't it? You know, if you if you <laughs> you don't mm. you don't have the the statistics of the other half. So perhaps maybe yes, the the the, the conclusion from that statistic should actually be well, if we if we've got fewer issues being reported in another group. And then that's actually the group that we need to to focus on because that's that it's not being admitted to or, or, or whatever, and therefore, as you said, it's kind of leading to um, more more issues sort of later in life. And and Harry's helping us out with a few statistics for us. He's got seventeen point two deaths per hundred thousand male suicide rate compared to five point four. So that is absolutely significant, and it does mm. underline exactly what you said about how much there how how much there is a difference between um, uh, suicide rates. And so therefore, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pointing at perhaps maybe we need to ensure that we we normalize as we said earlier just like with your guidebook normalize the conversation um uh, empower um young boys and girls obviously uh, all to, to to be more open and be more accepting that you know what we are not you know we are going to go through trials we are going to go through um issues in our life and 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 the 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 school system has a responsibility has a has a has a uh, you know in terms of safeguarding but in in terms of just generally just duty of care to do exactly whatever they can and i think things like what you're doing with with, with happy space and 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 uh, pshe curriculums which have been weaved into the fabric of the school where these issues are raised not just in an isolated PSHE lesson but are you know, are addressed in geography are, are, are discussed in science are you know can be expressed in in, in the arts for etc mm. for example um, I think that definitely is the, the way to go for in order for us to be able to kind of uh, address some of these uh, quite alarming uh, alarming statistics absolutely Lovely, great. Now um, we had a little gremlin in the in the system earlier with the news. I hope I've fixed it now. Um, so we do, we will go to the news really quickly, Tegan. And then uh, I'd like to, if just before we finish off the show, I'd like to just ask you a couple of questions on the future of uh, HappySpace.org.uk. <laughs> Fantastic. So hopefully we're now away. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the Scottish Liberal Democrats are asking for air filters to be fitted in every classroom and has asked the Education Secretary, Shirley Ann Somerville, to publish a running total of the number being used in classrooms. Ms Somerville refused and said it was the responsibility of local councils to ensure schools met COVID standards. This comes after the announcement that reported Omicron cases have fallen among every age group except for the under-15s. Ms Somerville insisted that local authorities have the resources they need. The government in Liberia, with support from GPE and UNICEF, is making good progress in promoting safe learning 
and ensuring children can stay healthy while in school. Health kits have been provided for all schools and this has brought about a reduction in the incidence of minor ailments among students, students stopped getting sick from minor ailments and had a positive effect on girls' attendance. One mother, Musa Gray, said, Our children are healthier and happier to go to school. Before the project, they had to carry water mixed with soap, which serve as sanitizer in rubber bottles. And this bottle leaks and soaks their copybook and embarrasses them, as it highlights what they are lacking. Now they have water in school with sanitizers and other cleaning materials. They can use the toilets, not suffer from diarrhoea, and are healthier than children who do not go to school. In Mozambique, the Education Support Fund, FAZE, which was set up in 2002, has helped the Ministry of Education and Human Development to increase access to education, improve its quality and reduce gender disparities across the country. This input of funding helps the education sector cope with rapid population growth. A new education strategic plan for 2020 to 2029 focuses on reform, improving teaching quality and inputs to producing results. The aim of the plan is to enhance quality and efficiency in the delivery of education services to children. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Thank you very much, Sarah Gail. Um, quite a few issues on the on the news there. Very much tied into what we've been talking about today uh, on the uh, on, on the morning break. Um, Tegan, we've just got a short amount of time left uh, to the end of the show. I've um, I'd just uh, like to just uh, ask a couple more questions just bef just before, uh, if that's okay. And uh, absolutely, fantastic. Um, so. The first one, I think we've already touched on it already, but I wondered if I could just get something a little bit more kind of um, uh, a little bit more of your thoughts on this. Um, so at the end of last year, sort of off the back of COP26, I've, I've had multiple uh, conversations with guests regarding youth anxiety and well-being and, and how that was all related to the climate crisis. And, and one of my guests presented a, a very convincing argument that the climate crisis in itself is a is a safeguarding issue. So um I, I know you've, you were saying that you've seen a lot of, of an increase of uh, anxiety for exam stress, etc. Is climate anxiety something which is popping up a little bit more frequently now? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it completely is. And I, I think, you know, the underlying principle being that I don't think humans generally deal very well with uncertainty. And I think the climate crisis can feel so out of our control and it's affecting young people significantly um, and in many ways, I think from a mental health perspective, significantly more than than elderly um, generations at the moment, not, not, not everyone, obviously that's not a blanket rule, but um, because it's it will affect them for years and years and years to come. And so we're seeing a lot of that um, and we are seeing requests for resources around that. I uh, So one thing that's coming up is um, 
Children's Mental Health Week. I think I think it starts maybe it's the first or second week of February, maybe the seventh of February, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And the theme is growing together, which I think is such a lovely opportunity for definitely for Happy Space, but for others to think about how the environment acts interacts with with our well being and, and vice versa. Yes. Um, so I think something that we're going to do and, you know, if I can encourage teachers to do is, is to think about that theme, not just in a kind of social and emotional sense, but to think about the growing together theme in a in an environmental mm-hmm. sense, too. Yeah, that that and that is a hat tip to what we talked about earlier about this idea about making those uh, imperfect steps as well. The fact that you know everybody, you know, getting getting the children, uh, the, the students that we're working with to kind of understand that actually this is also a learning and developmental process for 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 their adults, their parents, and 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 actually teachers as well. I think that's a really nice um, sort of link across there. Mm. Um, lovely. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, it, what would be, um, and, and in relation to that, and perhaps maybe not just climate crisis, but in general, what would be a kind of a, a, a starting point? Obviously, with with Happy Space UK, um, you, you've got the 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 tailor made kind of resources, etc., which can help to to support. You've got the workshops, you've got lesson plan. It seems that you've got the a, a really kind of effective package to, uh, uh, to to offer to to schools. What from your from your breadth and depth of research and, and experience, etc., would would there be a kind of a, a a, a, a little win something that every school could perhaps maybe start doing from next monday morning which will enable them to kind of start along their their journey of of, of improving uh their how they approach mental health in their schools yeah absolutely i think one of the easiest wins and it's quite a nice um way into discussing well-being because it doesn't come across as too clinical is talking about gratitude um and I think a really simple way to do that is to have a jar in your class, um, a physical jar, and students can be encouraged to write down things that they are grateful for. That's just one example. Um, It could just be an exercise of um, listing things from A to Z that students are grateful for, which is bound to get a bit silly, of course, because (laughs) you'll get to Z and someone will say, I'm grateful that zebras exist. I was going to go for the xylophone. I'm grateful for xylophones, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I think there's so, there are so many benefits to gratitude, um, and it's, it comprises lots of different stuff. So I think when you reflect on your day and you reflect about the small things that you're grateful for, obviously we, we know it can, I mean, it's linked to so many physical benefits, so many mental health benefits, but it also, it's kind of in and of itself is a little, um, practicing of mindfulness because you're taking the time to sit with your feelings and reflect on your day. And it's a very simple way that I think schools can introduce a degree of kind of well-being education without taking up too much time and without it being um, too onerous. Um, mm. So I think that's a lovely idea. And then actually I, one thing to mention is that um, the charity Now and Beyond, Now and Beyond, they are amazing and they are throwing mm. a um, mental health festival for schools, which you can sign up for for free. Um, I think there's like 800 schools that have signed up so far. It is huge and it is amazing. And they distribute beautiful resources and workshops throughout the day. It's, it's on the 9th of February. Um, and one of those resources is a is a gratitude lesson plan for KS3 and 4, so between 11 and 16, that Happy Space is pulled together. So um, 
if you wanted access to that free resource, then I would recommend signing up for that. Um, yes, and that's timely that. as well. That's timely. I've just that's the 9th of Feb, so I'll, I'll definitely put that in the uh, in, in the resources below in the in, in the show notes. That looks fantastic. Um, wow! And uh, Harry, <laughs> Harry's uh, texted and said he's grateful for today's show, uh, and, and that he, <laughs> he writes a haiku every night about the good things that have happened. I think that's a really lovely kind of reflect, uh, reflective way of going about it. Um, and, and it reminded me of the there was a paper recently uh, uh, in some psychological journal. I remember sort of seeing it on on Twitter, and and, and it found that. Gratitude highlights the po- you, you're, at the end of every day. You, you, gratitude highlights the positive. So you look back and you th- you say what's th- what you were thankful for today, whereas optimism minimizes the negative aspects of the day. So you look back and you think all of the things that have gone wrong. How can you think about those things and be optimistic about them in the future? Mm. So 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 a really kind of um, a, a simple strategy like that is something that everybody listening in the studio or to the podcast um when they're downloading later is something that can absolutely be um uh, communicated out to uh, out, out to the school community Definitely. great well 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 just before we 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 finish up there then please dig and this has been absolutely fantastic and we could go on for for hours i'm sure but um <laughs> for it to do and i i too but um could could you maybe just give us a little um window into into the future for for, for happy space so uh, is there anything that you've got in the pipeline which is coming up any exclusives you can uh, lay down on us here at teachers talk radio for the future <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean so i think um you know, in terms of the future for us, we kind of we base that future on the fact that children could be more easily reached in school than through any other clinic based or public health intervention. So we're determined to get really good wellbeing education to children through schools. Um, last year, we had over 30,000 students receive our resources, which was amazing. Um, mm. But we, we really want to we want to double that this year. Um, so of course we've we've got the guidebooks, we've got the lesson plans, we've got the workshops, but we want every child to have a toolkit. So um, we are in the process of developing an online academy, uh, which schools will be able to subscribe to. Uh, it'll be a web page and, and an accompanying accompanying app. Um, there, it will be quite kind of a gameplay experience for students where they can walk through virtual rooms for each pillar of mental well-being. Okay. So, you know, a bank nice. for the finance pillar, uh, a kitchen for the food pillar. Um, and that's going to be one of our main focuses, particularly towards the end of this year. So that's on the horizon and it should better enable every student to have, have easy access to really, really high quality mental well-being education. Love it. A bit of gamification there. Fantastic. I know a load of students in my classes that will be uh, up for that, that's for sure. Awesome. <laughs> um, Harry has just uh, shared his thanks again. He's texting and shared a, shared a task. He said, you've been a great guest guest, and, and, and hopes that you continue to grow and make a difference. And I just want to kind of echo that as well, really. I've, I've been totally sort of blown away, you know, by your sort of knowledge, your, your, the extent of your empathy and understanding of what is such a, such a, a key issue that really does um, safeguard the 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 well-being of of the, of the students and and we we yeah i i echo harry what harry says completely just hope that you continue to to grow and this the the, the gamification sounds fantastic as well um and and i just want to express a huge thanks for coming on teachers to talk radio absolutely thank you so much for having me it's been a really great conversation brilliant take care everybody we'll see you next week thank you bye-bye 
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.